0: Decision podcasts by the New York Prosecutors Training Institute are made possible by Voice Pods. Convert your text to voice at voicepods.com. Read this decision at NIPT Law. www.nypti.org law. People versus Andrew J. Regan. Decided on March 16, 2023. Wilson, J. On the morning of August 9, 2009, a woman reported to the police that she had been raped a few hours earlier by someone she knew well, whom she identified to the police. That same day, she submitted to a sexual assault examination that included DNA samples. Also that day, the police questioned the named assailant defendant herein, who denied any sexual contact with the woman and refused to provide a DNA sample. Defendant's assertion could have been, and years later was, refuted by obtaining a sample of his DNA via a swab of his inner cheek. Despite the above facts, the people took over four years to file an indictment. Because of the substantial delay as to most of which the people offer no explanation whatsoever the constitutional right to prompt prosecution, embodied in the due process clause of our state constitution, was violated. We must reverse. One. Four friends, consisting of two couples, attended a wedding and went out socializing together afterwards. Defendant, Ms. B., defendant's girlfriend, the complainant, and Mr. P., the complainant's boyfriend. They eventually arrived at the complainant's home and went to sleep. As the complainant told the police a few hours after the sexual assault and testified at trial, she awoke to find defendant on top of her and he continued to rape her after she awoke. The complainant immediately told Mr. P. what had happened. He confronted defendant and called a friend to come and remove defendant and Ms. B. from the apartment. When interviewed by the police that same day, defendant said that he and the complainant had not had sex at all, but refused to provide the police with a DNA sample voluntarily. The police interviewed other witnesses and administered the sexual abuse evidence collection kit to the complainant on the day of the assault, August 9, 2009. Four days later they collected a DNA sample from Mr. P. Five months later, the lab reported that samples taken from the complainant's person and underwear contained semen. Three months after that, the lab reported that male DNA from someone other than Mr. P. was present in the samples. By April 6, 2010, the people concluded that they needed to obtain a DNA sample from defendant the same one the police asked him to provide when he was first interviewed the day of the assault. The police again asked defendant to provide a DNA sample voluntarily but did not hear back from him and failed to follow up. Approximately seven months later, the assigned assistant district attorney, ADA, reached out to the New York Prosecutors Training Institute for help figuring out how to get a warrant to collect defendant's DNA but did not then apply for one. No explanation for that failure has been offered. Two months after that inquiry, the ADA met with the investigatory team to brainstorm ways to proceed and they again noted they needed DNA evidence to prosecute defendant. They had several more meetings about the need to get DNA evidence and how to obtain it over the course of February. Four months later, they checked in with the investigators and the investigators said they would get the DNA evidence. Thereafter, an entire year passed, for which the people offer no explanation. At no point have the people provided any account of what happened between June 10, 2011, and June 26, 2012. On June 26, 2012 the ADA emailed defendant's attorney to ask if defendant would voluntarily provide a DNA sample. At that point nearly three years after the sexual assault and nearly two and a half years after the police knew that a man's DNA other than Mr. Pease was on the complainant's underwear and person defendant's attorney responded he had represented defendant on a case several years earlier. But not on any current matter. When the ADA informed him that she was inquiring about that still open investigation, defendant's attorney observed that the case was pretty well Singer dead, referring to our decision in People v. Singer concerning the due process right to a prompt prosecution. Despite counsel's admonition that the case against defendant might be constitutionally infirm due to excessive delay, the people inexplicably waited another five months to request a warrant. To keep the context and timeline in mind, the people did not seek a warrant for defendant's DNA until 38 months after the complainant identified defendant as her assailant and defendant denied having sex with her. The process to obtain a warrant for a sample of defendant's DNA proved simple, though the people introduced unnecessary and more unexplained delay. A week after a new investigator was assigned to the case, he approached the district attorney, who suggested that a warrant might be required because defendant had declined to provide DNA voluntarily. The investigator did not rely on any prior information gleaned by the district attorney's office as to the means for obtaining a warrant. Instead, the investigator called the New York State Police Counsel's Office, completed the two-page search warrant application and five-page supporting affidavit that same day and sent it to the district attorney's office for review. The application sat in the district attorney's office for three weeks until it was eventually submitted to the court on Friday, November 9. The court approved it that same day and a buckle swab was collected from defendant three days later. On February 4, 2013, the unidentified DNA from the 38-month-old sexual assault came back consistent with defendants, disproving his claim that he and the complainant had not had sex. Defendant was arrested nine days later and the people filed a criminal complaint on February 12. The people then presented the case to the grand jury on August 15, 2013. On August 29, 2013 more than four years after the complainant first told the authorities about defendant's assault the people finally filed the indictment against defendant. Once the case entered the court system, it proceeded promptly. Before trial, defendant moved to dismiss the accusatory instrument. Contending that his due process right to prompt prosecution had been violated by the excessive pre-indictment delay. See Generally Singer. County Court denied defendant's motion. At trial, defendant no longer claimed he did not have sexual contact with the complainant. Instead, he claimed that she had led him into her bedroom and the two voluntarily had sex while both their partners were elsewhere in the apartment. Defendant was convicted upon a jury verdict of rape in the first degree. Penal Law Section 130.352. The Appellate Division, as relevant here, affirmed the judgment in a split decision. A dissenting justice at the Appellate Division granted defendant permission to appeal the Appellate Division's order. We now reverse the Appellate Division's order. Two. By statute and constitutional law, New York guarantees criminal defendants the right to a speedy trial and prompt prosecution. See People v. Staley. People v. Vernace. Corporal Section 30.20. The state due process requirement of a prompt prosecution is broader than the Sixth Amendment. And in some respects the state rule is less rigid in its application than the right to due process recognized under the federal constitution, Singer. This court has long held that unreasonable delay in prosecuting a defendant constitutes a denial of due process of law. And that an untimely prosecution may be subject to dismissal, even though, in the interim, defendant was not formally accused, restrained, or incarcerated for the offense. See Singer. This court has never drawn a fine distinction between due process violations based on delay in commencing prosecution and speedy trial violations. And the factors utilized to determine if a defendant's rights have been abridged are the same whether the right asserted is as a speedy trial right or the due process right to prompt prosecution. People v. Wiggins. Those factors are 1. The extent of the delay. 2. The reason for the delay. 3. The nature of the underlying charge. 4. Whether or not there has been an extended period of pretrial incarceration. And 5. Whether or not there is any indication that the defense has been impaired by reason of the delay. Wiggins, quoting People v. Taranovich. No one factor or combination of the factors is necessarily decisive or determinative of the prompt prosecution claim, but rather the particular case must be considered in light of all the factors as they apply to it, Wiggins, quoting Taranovich. Although the court treats alleged due process violations based on pre-indictment delay and alleged speedy trial violations based on post-indictment delay similarly, there are some relevant distinctions. We have repeatedly stated, in the context of pre-indictment delay, that, a determination made in good faith to defer commencement of the prosecution for further investigation or for other sufficient reasons, will not deprive the defendant of due process of law even though the delay may cause some prejudice to the defense. Singer. See People vs. Decker. Vernace. By contrast, in post-charge delay cases, the people's good faith determination to delay the defendant's trial cannot continue indefinitely even if their proffered justification for the delay would otherwise excuse a reasonable period of delay, Wiggins. In other words, the people necessarily have wider discretion to delay commencement of prosecution for good faith, legitimate reasons than they do to delay a defendant's trial after charges have been filed, even for legitimate reasons and without acting in bad faith. We therefore have excused lengthy periods of pre-indictment delay far lengthier than the period at issue in this case where the people have established good cause for the delay. C.E.G. Decker. Vernace. Nevertheless, the due process right to prompt prosecution is not meaningless. If commencement of the action has been delayed for a lengthy period, without good cause, the defendant may be entitled to a dismissal although there may be no showing of special prejudice. Singer. The primary responsibility for assuring prompt prosecution rests with the prosecutors, Staley. Prosecutors may not needlessly delay without an acceptable excuse or justification, and a sufficiently lengthy unexplained delay may require us to dismiss the indictment altogether. A. Applying the Taranovich factors to this case, the delay was considerable. Although, there is no specific length of time that automatically results in a due process violation. Longer delays are more likely to inflict greater harms, People v. Johnson, citing Taranovich. See also People v. Kuzart, citing Singer for the proposition that, a five-year delay prior to trial raises a presumption of prejudice. In People v. Staley, we held that a, wholly unexplained 31-month delay, was an, extraordinary time-lapse, that, would, without question, be cause for dismissal of the indictment, even without any showing of prejudice. Even the people concede that the delay here was excessive. The fact that the legislature removed the statute of limitations does not change our analysis and if anything heightens the need for constitutional vigilance. See Singer. It cannot be assumed that the statute of limitations will adequately protect the defendant against the potential prejudice inherent in any delay. Since in this state there is no statute of limitations for rape in the first degree. Under the most charitable interpretation of the record and our case law, the people cannot satisfactorily account for 31 months of their four-year delay. The people's explanation of their conduct is, as both the people and the dissents concede, a factor that weighs in the defendant's favor. Generally when there has been a protracted delay, certainly over a period of years, the burden is on the prosecution to establish good cause, Singer, Decker. It has not established good faith in this case. Here, 24 months are wholly unexplained by the record or any of the people's papers in this matter and seven months at a point late in the timeline are flimsily justified as necessary to decide the case required DNA evidence and then figure out how to get DNA evidence from defendant. The people's own submissions demonstrate the emptiness of the claim that the police and the people did not know how to obtain defendant's DNA and could not have figured it out sooner. Not only did the assigned ADA obtain guidance on the warrant process in November of 2010 two years before the people filed their ultimately successful warrant application but the investigator who eventually prepared the warrant application managed to figure out the procedure in part of a day. Indeed, our own case law dating back to at least 1982 provides the needed guidance on how to address this routine legal matter. See matter of Abe Even taking the people's explanation for their tardiness at face value neither ignorance nor indolence can be asserted to vitiate the constitutional guarantee of a prompt prosecution. As explained, a defendant will not be deprived of due process of law if the people make a good faith determination to defer commencement of the prosecution for further investigation or for other sufficient reasons, Singer. The people may not do what they did here, although they should have immediately concluded, as the police did, that they would need defendant's DNA they explicitly decided that they would need defendants' DNA by April of 2010. They then waited, for no asserted or apparent reason, to delay seeking a warrant for that DNA until November of 2012. The people do not even argue that their delay represented a good faith, strategic decision that was backed by sufficient reasons. Rather, they concede that the delay was due to incompetence and demand credit for the fact that they did not intend to sabotage defendants' defense. The people's negligence is not, as they argue here, a neutral factor in evaluating a prompt prosecution claim. As the U.S. Supreme Court has noted, although negligence is obviously to be weighed more lightly than a deliberate intent to harm the accused's defense, it still falls on the wrong side of the divide. Doggett versus United States. See also Wiggins, citing this part of Doggett approvingly in the Taranovich context. Staley, sheer neglect or trifling is not permissible. Singer offers an instructive comparison. In Singer, we held a 42-month pre-indictment delay to be unacceptable where the police spent roughly four months gathering the evidence they would ultimately use at trial. But roughly two months later the people, directed that there be further, ultimately unsuccessful, investigation. For the following roughly two and a half years, a detective, kept a folder on the defendant and on occasion, did some work on it, losing track of the defendant for a few months before arresting and charging him 42 months after the crime had been committed. Here, law enforcement gathered all the non-DNA evidence the people used at trial almost immediately. The police immediately attempted to gather DNA from defendant but, faced with defendant's failure to provide a DNA sample voluntarily, The people took no appreciable steps to obtain that evidence until a new investigator who did not rely on any of their previous research did so within a few days. Unlike in Singer, the people actually did obtain new, helpful evidence at the end of their search. Also, unlike in Singer, however, there is no indication that the people asked the police to seek new, unknown evidence that might strengthen their case. They simply failed to employ readily available legal procedures ultimately filing an indictment roughly 48 months after the crime. Judge Singas misapplies the people's burden based on a reading of singer that is not grounded in the court's explanation of its holding. In her account, the court emphasized consideration of the people's possible bad faith in delaying prosecution. Although the singer court noted that the people may have had a legitimate reason, for the delay, namely, a strategy to question the defendant under more favorable conditions, It reiterated the well-settled principle that, the burden is on the prosecution to establish good cause, and, if commencement of the action has been delayed for a lengthy period, without good cause, the defendant may be entitled to a dismissal although there may be no showing of special prejudice. Nowhere did the Singer Court mention bad faith or distinguish between the positive presence of bad faith and the mere lack of good faith, it was only the dissent who used the term, bad faith and only to comment that, there was no indication that this decision was made in bad faith. Although, bad faith, obviously would weigh heavily in favor of dismissal of the indictment, People vs. Romeo, we have never lightened the prosecution's burden to explain itself merely because the record does not establish the people's bad faith. See Singa's, J. dissenting op. As in Singer, the record and the briefing in this case are devoid of any explanation for the people's delay although here the people had multiple opportunities to provide one. By contrast, we are much more solicitous of the people when they offer even a colorable explanation for their delay. For instance when the witnesses are cowed by the defendant's threats, see Decker, Vernace. Other acceptable reasons for pre-indictment delay relate to the people's need to investigate to discover the offender, to eliminate unfounded charges, and to gather sufficient evidence prior to the commencement of a prosecution. People V. Lisiak, citing Singer. Judge Singas acknowledges that no such extenuating factors are present here. See Singas, J. dissenting up. The people lack a credible justification for the delay. Indeed, Judge Singas goes so far as to propose that the delay arose from investigators disbelief of the complainants account of the incident or their apathy toward her trauma or even their enduring cultural attitudes towards sexual violence but also maintains, that law enforcement proceeded with no bad faith. Rather, those explanations would, in her dissent's view, dilute the significance of this factor, because, law enforcement's mistreatment of an innocent victim, or even bad faith toward a victim, is not the kind of bad faith our laws protect against. We reject that analysis. Turning to the remaining three Taranovich factors, they do not weigh in defendant's favor, but they also do not overcome the people's sizable, unexplained delay. As we recently noted in People v. Johnson, the third factor refers to both the seriousness and the complexity of the crime. Defendant was accused and ultimately convicted of a heinous crime. However, the preparation to which the people attribute a delay for the prosecution of this particular crime was not complex. The people had the complainant's sworn statement and witness interviews immediately. The only missing evidence was the DNA evidence from defendant, which could have been obtained with speed and ease. In saying this, we do not disregard the difficulties prosecutors may face in preparing a rape victim to testify, dealing with the intricacies of DNA evidence and analysis, or confronting deeply entrenched preconceptions of rape held by juries and judges alike. Singhas, J. dissenting op. If there were any evidence in the record that any of those difficulties contributed to the delay here, the outcome of this case might well be different. But the people have never contended, and there is no suggestion in the record, that the complainant in this case was reluctant to testify, or that investigators had any difficulty processing or interpreting the DNA evidence once it was finally collected. Nor do we hold that the six months between defendant's arrest and trial during which the people presumably prepared the complainant to testify was unreasonable rather the procedure to obtain defendant's dna was simple and the people have not asserted that any delay in this case was caused by the intricacies of prosecution the prosecution knew full well that in determining the truth of defendant's assertion that he had no sexual contact with the complainant dna evidence could conclusively disprove his claim obtaining that proof took a day's worth of paperwork a few days to execute the warrant, and three months to obtain the lab results. When a serious crime has been committed and there are no significant obstacles to prosecution, the interests of the people, the public, the victim, and the defendant all favor prompt prosecution. As to the fourth factor, defendant was not incarcerated pre-trial, C.F. Romeo, concluding the fourth factor was, not significant in this case involving post-indictment delay because, 18 point during his prosecution on the Suffolk County charges has he faced additional incarceration from those charges. As to the fifth factor, prejudice caused by the delay, defendant did not show special prejudice, but is not required to do so under our case law. We have repeatedly held that if the first two factors favor defendant, establishment of prejudice is not required to find a due process violation, c.e.g. Singer, If commencement of the action has been delayed for a lengthy period, without good cause, the defendant may be entitled to dismissal although there may be no showing of special prejudice. Wiggins. Taranovich. The traditional view in this court is that where in the circumstances delay is great enough there need be neither proof nor fact of prejudice to the defendant. Staley. When the delay is long enough, the charges must be dismissed whether or not defendant's ability to present a defense has been shown to be hampered. As we have said, the impairment of one's defense is the most difficult form of prompt prosecution. Prejudice to prove because time's erosion of exculpatory evidence and testimony can rarely be shown. Wiggins, quoting Doggett v. U.S. Therefore, we generally have to recognize that excessive delay presumptively compromises the reliability of a trial in ways that neither party can prove or, for that matter, identify Wiggins. We recognize that the Teranovich framework is a holistic one that is, no one factor or combination of the factors is necessarily decisive or determinative of the prompt prosecution. Claim Johnson, quoting Teranovich. Although Judge Singas complains that we focus on just one Teranovich factor, the length of the delay, Singas J., dissenting op at 26, that statement is truer of her dissent, which focuses on one component of the third factor the gravity of the crime allowing the seriousness of the offense to swamp all other factors she concedes the first two factors favor defendant our precedent establishes that the absence of proof of the fifth does not overcome a lengthy unexplained delay and the fourth factor is not implicated here in contrast she devotes most of her analysis to the seriousness of the offense she dismisses the relevance of cases solely on the basis that they involved less serious offenses counterintuitively to her exposition of the systemic reluctance or indifference to prosecute sexual assault, she would permit greater unexplained prosecutorial laxity in rape cases than she would in burglary or robbery cases, and even where the other component of the third factor, the difficulty of the particular prosecution, cuts against the people. In this case, the balance of the factors weighs in favor of dismissal. b. Although that prompt prosecution right formally belongs to defendant. It also vindicates the interests of victims and the rest of society by ensuring prompt adjudications and reinforcing society's expectation that crime will be taken seriously, see matter of Benjamin L. Staley. Those considerations are particularly weighty in sexual assault cases, where, as our dissenting colleague so aptly chronicles in parts two and three of her dissent, distrust of the criminal justice system is rife, and regrettably, often justified. Here, the complainant immediately reported the rape and identified defendant as her assailant. Defendant denied having sex with her. She submitted to an invasive search, and her boyfriend submitted to a DNA test. Thus, defendant's story could have been promptly assessed by the simple measure of obtaining a warrant for his DNA. Yet the people waited more than three years to obtain a warrant. We agree with Judge Singas's diagnosis of the still pervasive problem of law enforcement's inability to recognize the seriousness of sexual assault. That problem manifests itself in the premature ending of rape investigations. Closing cases as based on unfounded allegations and devoting less time and resources to investigating such cases. Singas, J. dissenting op at 26. It results in structural barriers that victims confront in pursuing sexual assault prosecutions. Indeed, those barriers are clearly reflected here by the people's inaction in response to the complainant's prompt report to the police that she had been raped by defendant. That the people here cannot offer any explanation for 31 months of delay illustrates the reality of Judge Singas's spirited concern for the torpid prosecution of sexual assaults against women. At oral argument, the people admitted that more than two years of the delay was unexplained and inexplicable. In keeping with their earlier explanation that they needed to conclusively include or exclude the defendant as a suspect, the people explained the remaining delay in part by stating that the police had to weigh the conflicting testimonies in essence, that this was a he said, she said case. By implication, what she said did not provide the people with sufficient motivation to investigate her rape diligently even when what, he said, could have been quickly disproved by a simple investigative tool. An unexcused delay of over three years communicates to victims of sexual assault that their complaints will not be taken seriously. Although the constitutional guarantee of a prompt prosecution is not the sharpest instrument by which to address the chronic lackadaisical approach to reports of sexual assaults, Affirming the prosecutorial conduct here would establish a precedent which would apply in every future rape and sexual assault case that the people can delay investigation of a serious crime for years without any explanation or excuse, with no constitutional consequence as long as defendant is unable to demonstrate a form of prejudice that, even when it exists, can rarely be shown, see Wiggins. Such a precedent would not aid defendants, future victims, or the public. 3. Vacating any conviction on prompt prosecution grounds runs a genuine risk that a guilty person will not be punished, or, as in this case, not finish out his full sentence. However, vital societal interests can overcome that cost. Our jurisprudence ensures that trials are fair and accurate. It also spurs prosecutors to take crime seriously and give all parties the prompt closure they need to move on with their lives. The message sent by Judge Singaz's would-be resolution is unacceptable. That when prosecutors cannot tender any explanation, however fanciful, for years of delay in prosecuting a rape case, that delay does not matter. The constitutional guarantee of a prompt prosecution places a burden on the state, when prosecuting crimes, to do so with alacrity. Contrary to Judge Singas's contention, we are not imposing a de facto 31 month limitation on first degree rape investigations. Singas, J., dissenting op at 26. The problem here is not simply the expanse of time between when the crime occurred and when defendant was charged, but the complete failure of the people to proffer any excuse which even colorably justifies that delay. Our Constitution allows for modest unexcused delays. It allows for lengthy justifiable delays. But it does not allow for lengthy unexplained or, as here, inexplicable delays caused by lethargy or ignorance of basic prosecutorial procedures. The constitutional prompt prosecution guarantee benefits defendants, victims and society at large, and it is the role of the courts to protect it, see Singer, matter of Benjamin L. In this case, the police and prosecutors did not take defendants' constitutional rights or the complainants' sexual assault seriously, they did not act expeditiously with regard to either. Their delay violated defendants' constitutional right to a prompt prosecution. Accordingly, the order of the appellate division should be reversed and the indictment dismissed. Order reversed and indictment dismissed. Opinion by Judge Wilson. Acting Chief Judge Canatero and Judges Rivera and Troutman concur. Judge Garcia dissents for the reasons stated in so much of the majority opinion of Justice Christine M. Clark at the appellate division that upheld the denial of the motion to dismiss the indictment on constitutional speedy trial grounds. Judge Singa's dissents and votes to affirm in an opinion. Decided March 16, 2023. Decision podcasts by the New York Prosecutors Training Institute are made possible by Voice Pods. Convert your text to voice at voicepods.com. Read this decision at NIPT Law. www.nypti.org law.